All right. Well, raise your hand if you finished the Bacchae. Finished it completely. We've got a couple of you. Good. Raise your hand if you're on your way. And Tuesday is going to be done. Very good. Very good. Who is reading it carefully so that you can understand it and reap the harvest of careful, attentive reading? Good. Yeah, so-so. All right, well. Since you've been reading it, you can answer me this question. What are the two forces of nature, so to speak, that are depicted as battling between each other in the Bacchae? Party and law. Parties and law. Okay, yeah. What are the names of the gods that represent this? Go ahead. Dionysius and Pentheus. Dionysius and Pentheus. That's right. That's right. Um, Dionysius represents wine and fertility and passion and parties, right? The mystic wildness. And you can get the, uh, the idea of it when you read those choruses that the women are dancing around and throwing themselves on the ground and singing, right? And um, Pentheus represents climbing the corporate ladder. Right. Which one of those two gods would work in a cubicle? Pentheus, that's right. Which one of those two gods would never be late to work? And he would certainly never have a hangover at work. Pentheus, that's right. But which one of those gods um, really doesn't care about efficiency and productivity or serving the, the, the common good and is you know more like partying on the weekend? Well, that's Dionysius. Those are the two spirits at work and at war with each other inside the Bacchae. Revelry, rapture, wine, fun versus hard work and efficiency and climbing the corporate ladder. Playing drums and dancing in the woods and drinking wine in the woods versus debating in the halls of power and negotiating business deals. Now, do we see these two forces at work in our own society? Yes, of course. What about in your own heart? Yes. What about in the church? Yes. Which one of those two do you lean to? Raise your hand if you feel like you lean towards the worship of Dionysius. Really? I don't think so, Jude. I don't know about that. Raise your hand if you lean towards the worship of Apollo. All right. Of course, if you go to extremes on either of those, what does that make you? A worshiper of a false god, an idol worshiper, a demon worshiper. So obviously we're trying to learn how not to do that, right? Is there any way to integrate these two forces or are we forever going to live our lives as though it's heads or tails, right? Everything is compartmentalized. Do you think God is compartmentalized? Where some days he wakes up in the morning and he's like, you know what, today, fun, passion, revelry, excitement, adventure. And then another day he wakes up, ah, monotony, drudgery, hard work, getting a big paycheck. Do you think God is compartmentalized like that? You know the word compartmentalized? Like he has, he's schizophrenic. Do you think God's schizophrenic? No, do you think he created a world that's schizophrenic? So that we have to live in this life picking between these two polar opposites, right? Of course not. There is a way to integrate these two forces from the Bible, and we're going to show you how in a little bit. But the Greek world was clearly disintegrated. It's compartmentalized. And the technical term for this, you want to write this down, bold print, is that they are dualistic. Dualistic. Their life isn't integrated. Think about our own world, and I'm going to show you that our own world is much more Greek than you realize. Um, picture in your mind the backpacker type. You ever went on a, a hiking trip or a trip to the mountains? Picture the backpacker type. What sort of uh, hats do they wear? They have a certain 
sort of hat, don't they? And sort of clothes. What would be some name brands that would fit the backpacker lifestyle? Go ahead. Magellan. Oh, yeah. Magellan. North Face. North Face. Patagonia. When you think of Patagonia, North Face, and Magellan, do you think of a guy in a suit negotiating a business deal? Right? No, of course not. That's a different set of clothing. What clothing would that be? You know, Brooks Brothers, maybe. Right? Brooks Brothers are, are uh, yeah, maybe. I don't know. But it's, you can picture in your mind, in our culture, these two different forces at work. And marketing companies actually play off of this, appealing to these various uh, forces. And some people lean towards one and other lean toward the other. Make sense? You can think of the, the mountain biker or the surfer who's just living his life, living in a van. We went, recently went on a family vacation, and one of the waiters I knew was a, a worshiper of Dionysius. And not that he knew it, but, and uh, so I, I began to ask him questions. I wanted the kids to be able to have an experience of this guy, like kind of going to the zoo and visiting the wildlife. You know, we're in Moab, and I knew there's a bunch of uh, worshipers of the Dionysian cult that lived there, and I knew this guy had to be one because he was like 30 years old and still a waiter. And that's usually what you do because they don't do drug tests. You know, there's nothing wrong with being a waiter, but there's not a high ceiling. Like, you can't quite earn enough money to raise a family. I knew this guy wasn't into raising family. That's way too Apollinarian, right? So I asked him, I was like, what do you do? And he's like, well, I started off full-time skiing. And he would teach skiing to pay the bills so that he could spend all of his time skiing. He's living on the edge. He's living for the thrill. That's exciting, isn't it? It sounds exciting. He said, eventually, though, I graduated to base jumping. You know what base jumping is? He literally wakes up every morning for one purpose in life, for the adrenaline rush of almost committing suicide. He dives off of a cliff every morning, and he says, now I know I'm probably going to die this way, but I'd rather go out this way than live a long, boring life. You can see he is a worshiper of Dionysius. And of course, there's plenty of people that worship Apollo as well. They, they don't know how to have fun. They don't even enjoy weekends. You know, they're stiff. They're uh, high strung. All they care about is their bank account, their budgets. Your parents probably lean one way or the other. And I could probably guess based on the profession they chose when they, went, when they were in high school. Everybody sort of leans in this culture because we're very Greek. We're dualistic. We're compartmentalized. Everyone understanding? Now, what about in the church? Are there some churches that are more Dionysian and others more Apollinarian? Yeah, you could think of the dancing Pentecostals. I don't think any of you in here are dancing Pentecostals. But there are churches, Pentecostal churches in particular, where they literally get nuts. They go crunk in church and the music is beaten and dropping and everyone starts dancing and cutting up and they're getting in the aisles and they're running laps and they have banners. They're running around the place with banners and they're flopping on the floors and they're screaming and like high-fiving and we could probably watch YouTube videos of these particular types of churches. Now we look at that and we're like, hey, hey, you know, that's not very ordered. That's not very logical or orderly. And yeah, well, that, that's true. And there's something to say about that. But now, on the other hand, you have the uptight, boring Presbyterians or Lutherans or Episcopalians. And then you have the teetotaling Baptists that if, if they saw a bottle of wine, they would pass out. Right? 
although they all have it secretly in their fridge in the garage. You know, just don't let any of the other Baptists see it, right? You've, uh, what is the joke? It's, uh, ah, it's something about why you don't bring a Baptist on a fishing trip. But anyway, or at least not another fellow Baptist. So you got these two extremes in the church. Suit wearing, uptight, no fun, no partying. Stand in your seat quietly. Don't use your body. Don't bow. Don't sway. Don't raise your hands. Don't bob your head. That's worldly. And you have the other group that's like, no, flop on the floor like a dying fish. That's godly. So you have these, this dualistic Greek worldview even in the church. The church has swallowed this Greek worldview. Everyone understand? And, and uh, <clears throat> what do you think would happen to a pastor all right, that would try to integrate these two particular things? What do you think would happen if into a Pentecostal church he went and began to teach systematic theology? Systematic. That sounds very Apollo, right? And he would teach the doctrines of the faith. And he would go line by line teaching the text. And he would do so as an instructor or a professor, not hooping and hollering and screaming and running all over the place. What do you th- how do you think he would be treated in those environments? Tisk tisk, shame on him. He doesn't have the spirit, they'd say. That's exactly what they would say. He don't have the Holy Spirit. He's not, he's not anointed. He's not born again. And they're confusing the Holy Spirit with the powers of uh, rhetoric. But then if you went to the teetotaling Baptist and tried to bring a little wine into the church, <gasps> they would all be fainting on their fainting couches. Or dancing? Oh my. Never. You could never bring fun and partying and festival in the church. You know, if you want to, in those kind of churches, if you want to hang out and have fun, you don't do it with your church friends. Right? Because they're all fuddy-duddies and buzzkills. What would happen if a pastor tried to integrate these things in that church? Tisk tisk, he's not holy, he's not reverent. That's dangerous. What about all the people who are alcoholics? We'd hear it all the time. We'd hear it all the time. Tisk tisk. But the the Bible though and the world that God created is not schizophrenic. You understand? It's not compartmentalized. The Greek world was schizophrenic, but the actual world is not schizophrenic. We are not doomed to live our lives swaying from the worship of Dionysius to the worship of Apollo. Make sense? Now let's consider uh, everyday folks a little bit, just so to really press this point home for you. Which force, which force of nature, which God, so to speak, uh, gets the upper hand in our nation, generally speaking? What do you think? Dionysius. Some say Dionysius. Others say Apollo. Let me name the city and you tell me the God that they worship. Las Vegas. All right, good. Uh, Washington, D.C. Apollo. Oh, yeah, except on the weekends with a little cocaine. What about uh, New Orleans? All right, good. You're getting this. You're getting this. What about Opelousas? I'd say Dionysius. Louisiana in general, our phrase is uh, laissez les bon temps rouler, which means what? Let the good times roll, baby. That's so Dionysian right there. Absolutely. That's so. What about a spring break in Panama Beach? Oh, yeah. Dionysius and STDs. Exactly. Exactly. So you're getting it. Now, which force gets the emphasis on Monday through Friday? 
Apollo. But what about the weekend? Friday night. Who reigns, who reigns over the nation on Friday nights? Oh, it's Dionysius. That's right. What about country music? You, got any, you know of any country musics that sing uh, wonderful songs about Monday through Friday? That would be weird. I, we, should do, we should write a country song that talks awesome about Monday through Friday. Right? Yeah, it, working nine to five, what a great song. But it talks about it negative. It talks about it negative. You know, country songs are all about the weekend, right? They're about the weekend. They're free time, your personal time, right? Uh, what about classical symphonies? Could you imagine listening to a classical symphony while spending a weekend four-wheeling, right, in the woods? Bum, 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 bum. <laughs> you wouldn't do it. You would, uh, you would turn on something fun, like, uh, I don't know, Brooks and Dunn. That's what you four-wheel to Brooks and Dunn. Or, sorry, to, uh, Caroline, Tay-Tay. You know, not really. <laughs> Whatever you like, right? Now, in church, of course, there are priorities given, given to these various forces. In our nation, there are priorities given to these various forces. There are days and, and weeks and times where these various gods are worshipped. And another aspect of this is that depending on which way you lean, your church, your community, your nation, you tend to, what do you tend to think of regarding the other people? What do, you, what do you think of them? Negatively. Negatively, you judge them. In the same way, Apollo and Dionysius are opposed to each other, and so is Pentheus and the Bacchae opposed to each other. So too are these two different compartments opposed to each other in the heart of our nation and in the church. The uh, revelry and the fun and the excitement and adventure and the stiff, ordered, efficient, productive side. There's a battle going on because our culture is Greek. It's dualistic. These things have been disintegrated. But the Bible offers us a way to integrate these two things. Make sense? Right? We know that God is not compartmentalized, and we know he didn't make the world compartmentalized. So is there a way, that's the question, to make the Monday through Friday exciting and joyful and passionate is there a way to make the weekend service-oriented and not turn into Dionysian madness? Right? Is there a way to work for the kingdom of God and not turn into a worshiper of Apollo, like the Pharisees, and a way to enjoy fun and parties and wine and, and sex and, and passion and sports and not let it turn into madness? and to chaos like the Bacchae out there in the woods. Is there a way to integrate these two particular things? And uh, I'd like one of you to perhaps give me a, uh, an example of how the Bible teaches us or to integrate these things and to live a life that's holistic, that's both productive and joyful. How can we do this? It's one simple way of doing it. Marie. Uh, we follow what Jesus did. We simply obey God's law. We obey Jesus. Absolutely. You see, when God gives us his law in the Bible, he's giving us correction. He's giving us instruction. He's giving us training and righteousness or justice so that we might live every day to his glory. And if we are corrected and, and shown how to live by him, will it be Greek? Will it, will it be dualistic? Will it be compartmentalized? No. So if we follow God's law, and if the church would begin to follow God's law, we could begin to see the dancing Pentecostals learn some systematic theology, and we could see the teetotaling Baptists and the stiff Presbyterians 
Learn how to enjoy life a little and worship with uh, exuberance instead of having these compartmentalized um, lifestyles like the Greeks did. Make sense? Is there a way to turn the Monday to Friday into excitement and energy and passion and a way to make the weekend not turn into madness? There is. It's God's law. God is not schizophrenic. Jesus is not schizophrenic. The world is not schizophrenic. Make sense? And we don't have to be either. All right. Any questions? Any thoughts on that? Make sense? So what is the final takeaway? How can we integrate? How can we not worship Dionysius or Apollo? Not let our fun turn into madness? And not let our work turn into drudgery and legalism. It's simply this. Follow Follow the law of God. The law of God is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. And it instructs us in how to live. Amen? Amen. All right.